Welcome to the Earn Your Guns podcast. Where gear is cool, training is cooler, but being based in moral philosophy is what is best in life. So today, Mike Green was gracious enough to come onto our podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about, I guess in, in simple terms, what, what makes a meat eater, what makes somebody Violent. capable of violence. Yeah. What, how can, can you create people that you can create violence in people, right? Uh, how do you bring that trait out? Is that a universal trait? Uh, stuff like that. So I'll hand it over to Mike. He can do a little bit of his background and whatever he thinks is pertinent, relevant, whatever. So. Right on. Hey, well, hey, guys, I hey, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Um, you know, I'm Michael Green. I'm the founder of Green Ops. I got my my start or my path or journey, you would say, to instructing when I joined the military and, uh, you know, went to the Special Forces Q course, uh, became a Green Beret and started traveling overseas and training other folks in other countries how to do, you know, cool stuff. And uh, I did that for about 15 years. Uh, I got out and uh, my last three years in the military were in a counterterrorism unit that was, uh, you know, we trained daily daily and uh that was a a unit was called a sif or a i think they call them crifts now but uh awesome unit awesome uh awesome great folks great bunch of people um and uh when i got out from there i started contracting like right away so i spent about six and a half years working overseas in different places doing different government uh, contracts and then uh you know pretty much have been uh working in the training industry since I think pretty steady since about 2012 or so. Um, we've got classes in Northern Virginia, uh, and then we've got classes here in Texas, and then we run classes throughout the country or wherever people need it. And uh, I've got an awesome, awesome crew of folks that teach for us. So uh, people are always like, "Yeah, hey, you're doing a great job." I'm like, "I'm not really doing that much. It's the guys that are are out there uh, that teach for me. They're the they're really the the superstars, you know." Um, but uh, incredible group of folks, you know, um, but I've had the, uh, opportunity to, uh, work with train with some awesome folks. Uh, I'm a big believer in training and competition. Um, I test my skills in competition on occasion up to uh, a master class level shooter in USPSA now. Um, but, um, I've been to a ton of shooting schools, a lot of instructor courses, and, uh, you know, I don't really believe that there's one specific way per se. I mean, there's a way or not. I mean, there's, there's great ways out there, but, um, but yeah, no, that's, uh, pretty much, pretty much it in a nutshell. Awesome. So to give the listener a little bit of background to what spurred on this conversation and bringing you on the show, um, you know, we've, we've all been in the military and Jake and I got talking about how even, even in your, I'll say professionally violent jobs, you know, if you're military, if you're law enforcement, stuff like that, not everybody that's in those career fields is as a predator, as, yeah, as a predator. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. you know, we got talking about like trying to think through like, you know, what, what actually is it? Is it in just in somebody's DNA? Like, is it just a predisposition thing? Can you train somebody to be that way? Uh, you know, and leaving it that broad, I guess, in, in your, your experience and your opinion, like what, 
what is it that makes somebody good at being violent? So, you know, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because, um, you know, when I was in the military, that was one of the things that kept going through my head. Like how, you know, how do we get to where we're at? You know, what makes us in the special forces community so unique and different than a lot of the people we would work with, work alongside in the conventional military. And, you know, the military does a really good job of, of putting together folks and, you know, getting them ready for, for war. Um, but then what's that, what's that next level, uh, you know, do, you know, when they come to special forces, they go to an assessment selection before they even get to that assessment selection phase, they're weeded out to, you know, take psychological tests, um, you know, multi, uh, discipline, psychiatric, all, all kinds of crazy tests, right. And IQ tests, you name it. And these tests are used to weed them out, you know? And so at some point, you know, you got to say, all right, you know, we, we are, the, we've got the best trainers in the world. And it's like, do we have the best trainers in the world or do we have the best students in the world? You know? And so that there lies the part of the issue in, in the special operations community is they always have motivated willing students that are there because they've already fit a certain psychological profile. Um, and you know, today it's getting better and better too. that assessment program, you know, is getting to the point now where I've met several individuals that I mean, I would be, you know, like I would be honored, uh, to have someone of your caliber work with me in special forces. And they go, well, I applied, but after I took all the tests, they, they said no, which, you know, leads me to think that if I apply today, there's a, a chance that, you know, I may not have even been selected before even going to selection, you know? Um, so, um, but, uh, I digress back to, you know, when I was in the military, uh, and I was teaching at the schoolhouse, uh, I, I taught an anti-terrorism course, but I interacted quite a bit with the, uh, the newer candidates coming on every now and then going out to the field phases and stuff like that. But, um, it, it always dawned on me, uh, cause one of the classes we taught was hostage survival and it talked about the psychology and, uh, what the, the physiology that you go through as a captive. Right. And so that opened a can of worms for me. And I started reading all these books on psychology assessments. Uh, you know, um, uh, we were just talking, uh, uh, uh what's a kill Oh, on, 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 on killing, killing, on, on, killing, killing on, combat. Yeah. on combat, on killing, uh, and just step, kept reading these books. And then I started picking up, you know, books on, you know, by Bruce Siddle, you know, sharpening mm -hmm. the warrior's edge. And, you know, I just started reading these books and just diving into it. Then I started taking psychology classes at night at the local university. And, you know, I, I will say that, um, you know, these selection processes are a great thing, but if you're really trying to build from the bottom up, you need to do it before the slush assessment selection. And, and that's really what it boils down to. And we don't have assessment selections in shooting schools or, you know, a lot of police departments, they have to have a certain level of folks that come in. And so from there, you have to start building your people, you know, and that's when I started researching more stuff of, you know, uh, nature versus nurture. A lot of people are like, Hey, they're born this way. They have, you know, they have talents. And then, so I started reading books on that. Um, you know, the, the, the talent code, right. Or mm -hmm. another of my favorites is called talent is overrated. 
Um, and the, those two books were nearly identical. Um, but the interesting thing is they talked about how you could take individuals um, who were not predispositioned to be great and they made them great. Okay. Um, at one of the books, I can't remember which one, you know, he was, uh, he did an experiment. He had three daughters and, uh, back in the day, you know, in the Soviet union and, you know, chess, you, you, in order to be a grandmaster, women could not be grandmasters at chess. They just, they, they couldn't because they didn't have the ability. They said they weren't smart enough. And so this guy did an experiment with his three daughters and turned every one of his daughters into chess champions, you know, just to show that he could do it. You know, and it, it, it's all about training, you know, and so he did. And then afterwards, I think there was one of them who did, had no desire to do training or chess at all. All right. And so at the, at the end of the book is what it really boiled down to was you can take and train anybody to do anything. But the one thing they have to have, if you're not going to, you know, smack them over the head and make them physically do it, is they got to have the want and desire to do that. And, you know, we're seeing it now in the civilian sector as we're training folks who have no military or law enforcement background that are coming to classes, that are taking the information that we give them. They're going back, they're researching, and they're dry firing on their own. They're posting videos of them shooting uh, amazing times. Um, you know, and next thing you know, they're taking a medical class. Next thing you know, they're taking a combatives class, a Craig Douglas class, a John Valentine class, and they're just going deeper and deeper into the woods. And it's amazing to see that because they had the desire. And, you know, one of those things that really hit home with a lot of folks was, you know, the last couple of years, the pandemic scared a lot of folks, you know, um, the riots over the summers scared a lot of folks, regardless of what reason a lot of folks got serious about training and it snapped you know we've had folks who come to class and their one desire because they were people who were afraid of gun anti-gun and now they're embracing the gun and it's like what was the biggest why and you come to find out they were victims of violent crime so it could be a, a an actual incident or it could be a psychological incident or just seeing those traumatic events on tv and it makes them snap and want that so it's, it's really difficult. Um, you know, I, uh, I remember I, one of the first civilian shooting schools I went to was, uh, up in Smith and Wesson Academy. And, uh, you know, this was in, the, this was, sheesh, I want to say the late eighties, 89, 89 or, or 90. Right. And so, no, 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 it was like 91. It was maybe the early nineties. And, um, I ran into this instructor who was a law enforcement guy a retired law enforcement guy, and he was in shape and he could shoot and he could fight. And I was like, Hey, uh, uh, his name was Brent Perucker. I'll never forget that name. And I was like, Hey dude, like, like you're different than most cops I met. Like why? And he goes, my first week out of the Academy, he goes, I got in a fight. I got shot and I got stabbed. <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> some solid motivation right there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it, that always stuck with me, you know, like that was that guy's motivation, you know? Um, and, and, you know, we, if, if it's not an internal motivation, then it needs to be an external motivation. And I think that, you know, the military and the law enforcement community doesn't really do that good of a job, you know, I mean, mainly because, uh, one, they're not taking people who have passed a bunch of, I mean, they've taken some psychological tests, but they're not 
predisposition per se, or they already meet the mode of being a meat eater, right? Um, so they've got all types. They're not looking specifically for a types. And so when they get there and they come to that community, then I think they, you know, they have to run the line a little bit different than they would if they were training a bunch of mediators. Uh, but there are things that they can do. Um, you know, repetition, dry fire, um, you know, constantly being with the students, more mentoring, more coaching after class per se, but, uh, that takes more people. And most law enforcement agencies don't have the ability to say, okay, we have a one-to-one student to instructor ratio, because that's more or less what you would probably need. Or, um, you know, there's some law enforcement academies that do something similar to that, where they'll have them on the line coaching and teaching as best as they can. And then after hours, the instructors will get with them, coach them and dry fire and some other stuff, but they're quite busy and, you know, they have the government resource and money, you know, to do that, but not all departments have that, you know? So, so like I'm, I'm absolutely pro training and, you know, but what is it that one thing that you'll see is that you'll see all these incidents in which people prevail when they have no real training, no real anything, you know what I mean? And they just subpar everything, but they somehow prevail. But like, why is that? Right. You know, Mm -hmm. think of, think of, you know, you know, the caveman, right. Your Cro-Magnon, you know, whatever. The first guy, what made him like, you know, take a stick and sharpen it to a point or hell before that, like grab a rock and just yeah. bash something's fucking head in that was trying to kill him. What yeah. made him be like that? You know? No, um, there's, there's a good book by a lady named Angela Duckworth. I think it's Duckworth, uh, called, um, grit. Excellent book. Highly recommended. She was brought in to study, uh, this first, she was brought in to study, uh, West point and, okay. you know, West, West point, they start folks out, like two years out, you begin this process to go to West Point. You know, you get uh, your congressman involved, you get a letter, you know, you got to do all these, all the studying. You've got, you got all this, you have scholastic background, you have sports, everything you need. A lot of these folks begin this process at two years. So they've jumped through a lot of hurdles to begin with. Mm-hmm. And they have taken some tests, right? Uh, to, just to get in. And is what they have found is uh, there was no correlation between. IQ, okay, because sure. smart. Some of the smartest folks in the world go go the sure. you know West Point and graduation, like like what was the difference? So they brought Angela Duckworth in. She was a, a psychologist, and she was doing this study, and um, she found out there's this thing called grit, and you know she rated a grit level, and then created a way of like, hey, how do you build grit? How do you get stronger at this grit? And you know, obviously. Um, you know, to, to no surprise, the older you are, the more chance that you have more grit just because of, you know, survivability in life in general, you know, but she found ways that you could make someone have more grit. Uh, then they brought her out to special forces assessment selection and they said, okay, here we have folks at this level of physical fitness. And what they're finding is that a perfect 300 on the PT test doesn't mean you're going to graduate selection. So fitness never, you know, was not like, oh, what are we doing wrong here? And so she did a study there and came to the same conclusion. It's grit, your grit scale. You know, what are you willing to do? And so a lot of things from my limited research on this of 
you know, because I say it's no one's, no one's born in my opinion, born with these skills or born with that grit. Usually is what I have seen is it's something that happens while they were at, 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 at maybe even an infant stage, you know, people say, well, they can't remember, blah, blah, blah. But there have been studies that show that somehow people are affected by some of the violence that they see, maybe on TV or in a household or what have you, um, that, 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 that made that change. You know, uh, when I was out as an instructor at Fort Bragg, we had a psychologist that would go out there and they would take these, uh, they were doing tests on all of, like when I went to Sears school, they did a DNA swap. And so they were doing this to others you know, later. They were doing the same thing. And I said, Hey, what is that by the way? And they came over and they, they said, well, we're going to tell you, this is what we're doing is we're doing a study to see what's the difference between the special forces guys coming through the course and the difference between the students that are not special forces. And, uh, you know, their assessment or their, their, what they originally thought was that, you know, the insulin spike that they see in a traumatic incident, that is what they thought would happen is that in the soft community, it would kind of be like this, right? And, uh, as what, because most people, it jumps up to here and then it comes, starts to come back down, right? Or it stays up here is what they found was the exact opposite. That soft guys, their stuff went way up here. And, then it just, and so it's kind of just kind of chilled out after that, you know? Um, and so that, and, and the other thing that she said is that she had found, and there was, you know, just as her hypothesis, uh, correlation, her correlation was that every person that she had talked to when they were a child had some kind of traumatic incident. And she goes, what was yours? And I go, I was on a four wheeler and, uh, <laughs> Uh, we were, we were out and my buddy was checking, uh, Fox traps and all of a sudden he says, we got to leave. And, uh, we're on that four wheeler and the trees in front of me yeah, he froze up started there. having like white stuff come out of the trees, you know, that's weird. And it was bullets going in the tree and then the, the, the white of the tree f coming back out. And I remember seeing that, you know, so vaguely that, but it, and then when it hit me, it was like, Oh. Oh my gosh, we're being shot at, you know, and I'm like 10, 11 years old, you know? <laughs> and so I was like, oh, maybe, you know, that's the only traumatic thing that I could really think of, you know, at that age. Uh, but it shortly after that, you know, I, I tend to notice that, Hey, there was a gravitation towards more military stuff. And, you know, um, so it may have been something that happened sooner than that, that I'm not aware of, but that's the closest thing that I can remember. That's funny. Cause just anecdotally, I, I noticed amongst like, you know, the, like the other Marines I worked with, um, like th there, there was like, I noticed a lot of them had some crazy childhood trauma from growing up that you know, they all just have these, these crazy fucked up stories from growing up. And then coincidentally, when they got into the Marine Corps, you know, they're also the dudes that were about it. I, I liked how it on my yeah. team. Yeah. They were yeah. about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. and it's funny cause we actually were probably one of the episodes we got we have concepts for episodes that we build as we go right and like one of them is uh one of the next ones that we want to talk about is like in some ways like we actually think you have to like suffer a little bit suffer some adversity man like honestly like i know it sounds like a cliche but that's what builds character like oh, oh no doubt no doubt and, and you know that's the other thing um 
you know, is, is that, that bonding effect too. think about like some of the, like the Marine Corps does a great job. I think of all the services for their boot camp, right? Because that suffering comes together. And at the end, that crucible, they're like, you know, once a Marine, always Marine, you know, um, buds, the seals have a similar process. They all suffer, suffer, suffer. And those guys are tight, 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 you know, because of that, you know? Um, and you know, there is, I think a lot of, of validity to that. And you can also, you know, talking to research specialists and psychologists that talk about that, you know, they talk about like, um, you know, these, these insulin spikes that happen at a certain level, you know, uh, you know, this adrenaline dump and all this, these different things that go through your body when you do something so arduous like that, like, a you know, a 20 mile rock or something like that, you don't forget those, your body remembers them. The mind remembers those things. And, you know, it makes you a, a better person, I guess that would be, you know, uh, an example of that, but yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, the, the building part, you know, I think the, um, you know, the special forces community is completely different than the way it was when I was in. And, you know, you'll hear guys my age go, ah, they're not hard like us. And I, I, I disagree. I tell you what, you know, um, I've seen some of these guys and worked with some of them not too long ago and they're amazingly fit, uh, incredibly smart, way smarter than we were, you know, and I, and I'll be a hundred percent honest, you know, um, they, uh, embrace technology. They use technology. They may not do it the exact same way that I did, they're going to do it differently because they're, again, they're smarter, you know? Um, but their attributes are incredible, you know? Um, and so yeah, it just kind of irks me to hear some of these older guys go, ah, yeah, they're not hard like us, Mike. And, no, dude, they're harder than us, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, Look at the about like yeah. red dot sites, man. Like all these, like, you know, fucking old timers that want to shit on like, ah, you fucking kids, they can't shoot out there. Like, yeah. it's like, whatever, man. Like yeah. the shit is like, it works better. Like, let's just, get that out of the fucking way. There's no, yeah. there's no argument to be had about that. Yeah. You know? and, and, and again, I think that is one of those things where, you know, nature versus nurture, you know, uh, for someone who is my age, I'm in my, my, my fifties, my early fifties. So not, yeah. not late fifties, early fifties, but, um, <laughs> um, you know, when it comes to shooting a red dot, like I, I can run a red dot, you know, I love my red dot but I'm maybe just a 0.001 faster with my iron still, but yeah, I'm real, yeah. I, you know, at one point it was 0.10, you know, so I'm, I'm getting better and, and the scale is changing, you know, yeah. uh, but at the same time, the other thing I've noticed is that my iron sided shooting is getting better as I shoot more red dot. And so, that's, that's also true, man. I, yeah, I completely yeah. agree, man. And, so and, I, and I I've embraced on the line together at that, uh, you know, at the range master instructor course, like, yeah, yeah I, I, I saw what you're talking about. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was like, okay, should I bring my iron sights or should I bring my red dot? You know? Um, and you know, it's just, you're, if, if, um, I mean, it is, a it is definitely, in my opinion, a way better system. Uh, you know, all the, all the naysayers out there, uh, they're just going to continue to say no until they embrace it. And then when they do, they're going to see the benefits, you know? Um, but you know, it's, but at the same time, if somebody wants to continue to shoot iron sights, no big deal. You know, um, interesting enough, we don't see like, uh, I was at Fort Bragg last year, uh, last, last summer, uh, not this last summer, but the year before. And, uh, I'll tell you what, I, I was working with, uh, some of the special forces units down there and, 
90% of them had uh, red dots on their guns, but there were, uh, there were folks who were younger that insisted on, I just want to carry the, the iron sights. Like, really? Wow. So, yeah. so surprising to see that, you know, but, um, yeah, you know, uh, but they all started on irons, you know? Um, but I, I think the other thing that I'm seeing as an instructor, especially with new shooters, I can take a new shooter and have them shooting targets out to a hundred yards, you know, within a couple of seconds, uh, because now they're not trying to align anything and they're not, you know, now they can focus more on the trigger. Um, and yep. so those skills will eventually transfer over to the iron sights when they have to realize, Oh, I have to line these up, you know? Um, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to ding anyone for stink, you know, sticking with, uh, with irons, you know, um, I, I, I shoot irons quite a bit, you know, uh, I teach folks with irons all the time. So, um, you know, but I'm still, I want to, I look at it as a challenge. So I want to get better with my red dot than I am with my, my, my irons. And there are certain things that I'm just like, I'm, hands down 25 yards on target in an a zone and 1.5 seconds or less is going to be so easy with a red dot i just can't 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 get to you know i'm like 50 percent at uh with my irons you know on that exactly one. and like i i think that's the whole point man it's like the potential exists with this yeah. technology like if you actually put in the work you should be far better with the dot oh, yeah. than you, are. you know what i mean like yeah. It, it is, it is a mechanical advantage, you know, like, yeah, so. but, but it takes work. I mean, that's the key word that you work. said there is work, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, taking, a, uh, you know, maybe a thousand and a couple thousand rounds doesn't really do it. It's got to be consistent dry fire. It's got to be followed up with live fire and then tracking your times and, you know, all this other stuff. And, and, and this is why I see a lot of the younger generation where they're getting online they have access to information we didn't have when I was their age, uh, you know, when I began my you know, shooting journey per se. And they're, you see guys who have been shooting their first year who are like shooting as good, if not better than me. And I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, well, I got this book and I learned how to dry fire. Um, I got Steve Anderson's dry fire book. Uh, I got Ben Stoger's live fire book. Uh, you know I mean? Uh, and we didn't have that stuff back then. And, you know, instead of being mad at them for that, like, Oh, good job, you know, good for you for doing that. Um, but you know, uh, there's, there's just too many folks out there that are just poo pooing on folks who are just not, well, they haven't, they don't have the, they don't have the maturity of, uh, shooting, you know, guns yet or like, like a big deal, you know, so they, you can teach them that other stuff. Okay. If you want to teach them tactics, well, we can teach them tactics, but now we can have, we can focus more on that for some of these folks because they've mastered the basic skills. You know, a lot of folks are trying to teach tactics when, they have students haven't even mastered the basics, here, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Yeah. So you, you, uh, you mentioned the, the nature versus nurture thing to pull us back off of, uh, equipment here for a second. You know, Jake and I have mentioned it in other podcasts and stuff like that. And we just brought it up, you know, talking about Neanderthal man and sharpening his stick or grabbing his rock. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure all of us have sat through countless mindset briefs or, you know, read the books, listened to the YouTube episodes, whatever. Like, how, how much does that actually play into creating somebody that is capable of being violent? Like, well, I, I think there's a, I, I think knowledge is, is key first, you know, like, uh, you know, I think one of the things you can do is like, 
go out and buy uh, or read Varg Freeborn, Freeborn his mm-hmm. book. Uh, that is a really in-depth study of violence. Uh, and he brings up some really great stuff, you know, because, you know, he grew up on the wrong side, you know. Um, if you yep. look at, and, and when I was in, you know, my day, you know, there was a lot of people that were in, in special forces that I don't know how they got in, but, you know, got lucky because we never got caught. We were conducting criminal activities as kids. You know what I mean? So the other set of folks that were just like us were already in jail, you know? Um, and so that's why, you know, you see those folks who are, uh, born aggressive, I guess, or in aggressive worlds and they gravitate towards aggressive, uh, tendencies, I guess you would say. Um, but you know, first is learning, learning about that violence. Second is how do you take that and use that for training to become better? You know, so, you know, you have to inculcate yourself, surround yourself with that kind of training and you have to do it over and over again. Um, and have that mentality. You have to be thinking ahead. It's like chess. You got to speak, you know, two steps ahead. Um, you know, people would say, well, that's paranoia. And I'm like, well, paranoia still is a state of awareness, but, uh, and we want to be aware, right? So call it what you will, right? Uh, you know, Jeff Cooper's codes, you know, color codes and stuff like that. Um, you know, Boyd's OODA loop or whatever. The point is you're trying to get ahead of the game, right? And so unless you're, you know, ready to face violence, learn as much as you can about it, read some books on violence. And then books on training, um, you know, like I was talking about, like talent is overrated and, you know, uh, another really good book that he's written several books, uh, good books. I had his name here. Just, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, right. Uh, the last book I read on him was, uh, or from him was blink, but he was mm-hmm. the one I think who termed, uh, the 10,000 hour rule. Right. So imagine if you do something for 10,000 hours or 10 years or 10,000 reps, whatever it may be. You're going to be pretty good at that, you know, and if you start your journey, um, to violence, doing the same thing, reading and studying about it, when the day comes, you're going to be somewhat familiar with that, you know, but if you don't try to recreate those things, like I recall and remember, uh, the first field exercise I had in special forces in, in the Q course, and they were just tossing, um, you know, simulators at us and they're blowing up. And I just like, <laughs> just, I, I had to, I had to tie a knot for, uh, I had to tie a specific knot for a demolition charge. Right. And I just, I couldn't do it. And, uh, this guy, this NCO who was a student with me came up and like calmly pushed me out of the way and he did it. Right. And, um, uh, you know, it, it, and instead of being a douche about it or, you know, instead of just, you know, Later on, he, you know, back in the barracks, he's like, Hey man, you have to practice this stuff. You know, you have to do this more often, you know? And so you do it in a sterile environment and then you do it in a field environment and you progress. And, you know, now with the training courses that we have today and access civilians have access to, I mean, think about it. You go to a gym, you study jujitsu, you study Muay Thai, whatever. And then, Hey, now that you did this and you got a little good, go take a, uh, Go take a combatist class. Go train with South Narc. Go train with Craig Douglas. Go train with, uh, you know, all the great folks out there. John Valentine. Um, I mean, there's so many guys. Cliff Byerly. This is like names. Just like I can't even s- slow down to read them. But there's so many great folks out there that can people can learn from right now. 
And, uh, you know, they're going to learn some stuff, but then they're going to pressure test them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's what it's really about is getting to that phase. A lot of times you have folks who will jump straight into the testing phase. Um, that's an option. I don't think it's the best, but you know, I would say it's probably a good idea to crawl, walk, run, you know? Um, and that, that's mainly coming from my background, you know, as a special forces guy, uh, when we studied or, you know, started learning CQB, we spent weeks learning how to shoot on the flat range. And then we would start breaking contact and movement to cover and going into rooms because then you knew you were safe enough not to shoot your buddy. Right. Uh, law enforcement doesn't have that time, you know, so their SWAT schools are like a week long. It's like, well, that's the first week of ours is, you know, a week of just flat range, you know, and they're like, well, what, you, you know? So, uh, you know, there's a huge difference in that learning curve because we, we had the money, we had the time to do that, you know, and other agencies don't have that. And if law enforcement don't have it, then, then neither do civilians, right? Uh, but they can make that time. You know, I tell folks like, if you really want to get good with a gun, I mean, really, really good. Implement some dry fire. Go out and buy Steve Anderson's book. And I don't have time to dry fire. Okay. Get up 30 minutes early or go to bed 30 minutes late and do drills one through 12 and see what happens in a month. Test yourself on the range and the, night and day. The ones that do that come back and it's like, whoa, like what happened to you? Hey, I did what you said. I, I dry fired for 30, 30 minutes every day. Like, dude, it looked more like an hour. Well, sometimes I dry fired during lunch too. I'm like what? So, uh, it, it's totally possible to do this. And we see time and time again, you know, students who are, you know, electricians, plumbers, or, you know, whatever, don't even carry a gun for a living that are just concerned about the safety and well-being of their, their, their family. And they get out there and follow our advice better than dudes who've been in law enforcement in the military for 20 something years. And, yep. but they come back and it's like, wow, that that's somebody I don't want to mess with, you know? Mm -hmm. So, well, it's, it, it's like we always say, right. You know, that, that's the whole premise here is I don't even really think it takes 30 minutes. Fuck. Give it 10 minutes a day. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like, are you really telling me you don't have 10 minutes in your fucking day yeah. that you can't find somewhere? Yeah. You know? No, it's like there's humans, not humans are just like excuse machines. That's what they fucking do. Yeah. Exactly. There's a couple of, there's a couple of programs out there. I think Ben Steger has a 15 minute, uh, dry fire plan or something like that. Uh, and, and, you know, I say most people, I just tell them 30 minutes, but they could take Steve Anderson's book and turn it into five minutes, you know, whatever suits them. And, uh, but yeah, there's plenty. You're absolutely right. You don't have to do it for 30 minutes. And I would venture to say that if we took, um, took a, uh, like did a, a study or analysis of everyone and we get a, got a baseline and then said, okay, five minutes every day, a month from today, we're going to redo the live fire program and see where the difference is. I guarantee you it'd be like a, probably a 50%, uh, uh, increase in skill, you know? Yeah. Like I, I will fully admit that I don't dry fire as much as I should anymore or anything like that. I did for a while. It kind of got me where I am. And now I just, I'm more about maintaining than getting better. Yeah. But, but what I do is every day, like I put my gun on, I just do a few like draws, just dry something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I mean, even that just keeps you like where you're at, 
Oh, no, no doubt. Uh, matter of fact, the, you know, I used to talk with Todd Green all the time and he would talk about uh, the theory of, of uh, recency that he got from, uh, from Ernest Langdon. And yep. basically, you know, he's the last time you do something, there's correlation to the next time you do it and your skill level deteriorates or not. Right. So you're absolutely right. Putting the gun on every day and just doing a couple reps is going to at least at a minimum maintain, but more than likely it's going to get you 1% better. And that's cool, man. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. that, it's that compound interest philosophy. It's like, you know, yep. 1% of one, I don't even care if it's that 1% of 1%, like yeah, better than nothing. Exactly. And so we've seen, you know, there's studies out there and, and, you know, you'll see it with other shooters, uh, you know, and I've done this before is I've gotten to a really high level where I'm dry firing every day for an hour and then I stop and then I'll come down to right about here. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, I'll go months, maybe even a year and I'll still be at this level. And that's amazing to me. And then when I start to dry fire and live fire more often, wow, it'll go almost right back up in a shorter period of time yep. to where I was when I was really, really on it. And so that, that there is amazing to me. Um, and I found the same thing to be true of not just firearms, but, you know, combatives and, and fitness and everything, you know, it's just, yeah. um, 1% is nothing, right. Everyone's got time for something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It, there's, I, I, I noticed almost right away. Cause I'm still I mean, I'm still rookie copper, but the guys, you know, in my office that I want, that I want to emulate are also the guys just coincidentally that are dry firing in, in the locker room before they jock up to go to work. Like, and it might just be a few draws, but they're doing something besides just dropping the gun in their holster and going to the briefing room. Yeah. Like they'll, you know, they'll take that time, find the safe corner and just do a few draws, you know. They're checking their gear. They're checking their light. They're making sure that their light isn't going to fall off. They're making sure that it still has battery. Like they're doing all the the little stuff that takes them, you know, it might, it might be, yeah, five minutes that they're doing that, but it just takes showing up to work five minutes earlier. No, I I agree. Matter of fact, I come, I came up with this concept. I was like, you know, what we should do is, uh, for law enforcement across the world, when they show up to work, they have to go through like a, uh, an area. And they go into this, this area, this hallway, and they give them a duty belt that they put on and it's a, uh, an inert firearm. And they do, uh, so many repetitions of dry fire, uh, so many like, uh, you know, like different starting positions, but they dry fire basically for, you know, less, like less than a minute. Right. And then they have to go to a heavy bag and do like one minute of strikes, kicks and knees and everything else for one minute. And then they have to go over to a training partner and they've got to do, um, uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu drills, you know, not, not like full on grappling dummy or something. Yeah. Like, well, we know with each other, like drill, like in the combatives program, like drill one, two and three. So they just continue to do that over and over like just escaping them out and getting them out you know and just do Dude. that for a minute and it's three minutes they're done and they're ready to go to work yeah yep. just literally just do like a round of rolling with like your partner or something you know what i mean like yeah i mean can you imagine how oh my gosh fucking cops would be if they just did this shit like yeah. make it make it a checklist they can't fucking go 10-8 until they do it yeah <laughs> yeah no yeah, I agree. with that with that too i mean then you know all one, you, you'll flesh out the like really important skills that people forget to practice, like handcuffing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's easy to handcuff a compliant suspect because they're <laughs> compliant, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, if you, if you just had to fight a dude and now you've got to access those cuffs and put them on, 
like, you know, now your heart rate's up. You've got to work that skill under a non-sterile, you know, under a less sterile environment, I'll say. And the other thing it would do is like, you know, especially if you work in an agency like mine where we've got quite a bit of latitude in how our gear is set up, like some of those setups, I'm like, yeah, that works. That works great. If you're standing still, like, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. It's uh, uh, training. Training is the the answer. It's the solution. Um, I remember when I was in the military, we were doing a an exercise, and uh, we were we were training with the varsity team. You know, they had one area uh, that they were taking down of a hotel, and then we had a separate area, and. Um, we all had, every single one of us had a minimum of one explosive charge on us. We all had, uh, um, 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 breaching tools and we all had not all of us, but quite a few of us had shotguns for breaching. Right. And so we went out and we're, you know, hotels have lots of doors, you know? And so we're blowing, shooting all kinds of doors and, this the the varsity team they're done in like minutes and we're like still working and working our butts off and afterwards our our team sergeant who used to be over at that unit you know came up and said like, you guys i'm embarrassed you guys couldn't even get through these doors in a, in a decent amount of time and he took a pro timer and had us practice getting our charges out of our uh, cargo pockets inert charges and placing them on doors on a timer and he just did that over and over again. And then the next time we did an exercise, it was not, not with the other team, but it was with internal, right? And we were the first team done. So it was interesting to see what just, uh, you know, a little bit of a, of a week long period of a, of a, of a, of a crazy midget E8 that's pissed at the world and goes, you will train, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, I mean, not much, a couple minutes a day, but I'm telling you that dude was like, uh, you know, he was short, but he was like a, to the rest of us, he was like a giant, you know, because he just had such, uh, you know, um, passion about the mission, you know? And so we did, we, we trained, you know, taking the charges out of our, our cargo pockets, or our bags, our, our charge bags, and just practice with inert, you know, on a timer, on a timer, but, you know, only a few minutes, but it was enough that it made a substantial amount of, of, of a difference, you know, and we fail to realize that training is really the key. And, and we're seeing more and more of that. I think you're seeing folks out there that are doing things where like in the law enforcement community, they'll show folks that are, um, you know, on video with a flashlight and a, notebook in one hand and the shooting starts and at the end of the shooting they have the flashlight and the notebook still in their hand or something okay. like that yep. but we're seeing departments that are training their folks where they'll start off with something in their hand and then because now they've been trained to drop it they're seeing a huge difference when they have actual officer involved shootings you know so it's exposure to that kind of stuff uh, and again i'm a i'm a big believer that there's you know uh, training is a huge advantage you know um, and if we, we take, you, you know, organizations that are, you know, getting rid of the old FUDs my age that are like not going to change um, and they're out there saying, hey, this is new. Let's try it. Um, we've seen other places use it and it works. So let's let's do it. And I think we're seeing some some progress in some areas. And then, you know, some places are, you know, are letting the um, political correctness take over. And, and in my opinion, 
the, um, you know, instead of less training, they need more training because an officer that is confident with their gun, and I'm sure you've seen it on duty. You know, you see guys, there's, there's an incident going on, right. And you got guys like pulling their gun, getting stuff out. And then you got that Sergeant that shows up and he's not even taking his gun out of his, out of the holster. And he's just like, you know, like walks up and just like tases the guy right away. Or, you know, like, you know, I mean that, that's what we need. We need people that are confident to go, I can draw this gun out of the holster in less than 1.5 seconds with retention. So thus Mm -hmm. by that rationale, I don't have to have it out with my finger on the trigger waiting to have an accidental discharge or negligent discharge. But we see that with newer folks who are not confident in their firearms. So I think the more training they receive, the, the, the less scared they're going to be. And they're going to make better, better choices. Uh, the Gracies did a, um, a video not long ago where they had, uh, I think it was a department in Georgia, how they had all, every one of their, their officers were doing uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and they showed a reduction in officer involved shootings, a reduction in officer injuries, a reduction in suspect injuries and everything. And it was, it was really crazy to see some of the videos because, you know, you see videos of, of, of law enforcement getting into scuffles and they're cussing, they're swearing, they're like, ah. and these guys, they, you know, they're showing them and they're just like coming in, they're grabbing their handcuff from the guy and they're patting them on the back on, it's going to be okay, guy. It's going to be okay. And you're just like, what the heck is going on here? Do I live in the <laughs> yep. world? No, like. Uh, but that confidence, it's, it's in that same confidence with combatives can be said with firearms too. You know, you're, you're less likely to make, um, a, um, a bad call. And I think, I can't remember her name. Uh, what's her name? Shoots for, uh, she's a LAPD officer. And oh, uh, yeah, the one, with, the, one that, the one that has that video of that shooting where she's just like shooting in like a perfect cadence. Exactly. And, you know, people, oh, well, she was an Ipsic shooter and, you know, but her, her, you know, her splits weren't, were, were being called by her sights, you Mm -hmm. know, and the situation. And the other thing was, um, I think it's Tori something, but either way, um, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And and, 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 yeah, she was like a competition shooter, all that stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, um, the, uh, the, thing was like right after that tony mcbride that's her name and after that like she took charge you know she's like oh like guys started walking towards the suspect immediately and she goes no no check that car over there you know and it's like holy cow holy locked on man you just shot somebody Mm -hmm. and now you're still taking charge you know like i was really impressed with that i was like man she you know really had a calm head on that. And again, because she is, uh, you know, she trains and she shoots matches and stuff like that. So to her, you know, she was able to, and you know, there's people like, she's not shooting into a crowd of folks. She's not missing this guy. She's not shooting. Like a lot of folks would have just started shooting and like, Oh, we hit some innocent bystanders, you know, but you know, of course she again took charge and, uh, I think she did what she needed to do. And, and then, you know, uh, I think that's a clear indicator of what training can lead to. And, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's what we need. You know, we need more people to get trained. Yeah. I think, uh, Vegas Metro is another good example of that. I know they've got a, they've got a good combatives program down there as I understand yeah. it. And like, you've seen it in some of their videos where, you know, like the, the you know, one of my favorites dude ends up in a ground fight with the suspect and he's like, 
like it doesn't look like his heart rate's even gone up. You know, he's he's managing the suspect, gets him in a position where he can like get on the radio real quick and then finishes cuffing the dude. And it was like, you know, if you if you were just watching him, it'd be like, yeah, yeah fighting yeah. people's easy. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. but that's you know, that's one thing where I, I think we see that a lot. Right. You were talking about how, you know, because guys don't have confidence with the gun, they get the gun out maybe before they should have or needed yeah. to. Yeah. Um, you know, another one is, is the combatives thing. Like if for the people that aren't confident going hands on, like, what do they do? They grab the magic electric pistol, right? Get, get the taser out. Cause, uh, I, you know, I, I might have to get handsy with this dude, but I don't want to get handsy with this dude. So I'll just, I'll just grab another force option, yeah. which while that might be reasonable, justifiable, all that, like how, how much could be avoided if, we had more of that, you know, defensive tactics training to use the term broadly. Um, yeah. Get guys confident using their hands. And knowledge is key, you know. So I went to uh, a couple years ago, uh, I went to Six Hour Academy for one of their courses. And uh, they'd had this scenario uh, where this guy, they started off really quick and, and you do not have time to realize there's a, there's a homeless dude or whatever with a revolver, like right behind you. And, you know, cause I'm scanning and looking around, but they, they did an excellent job. Right. And so it really gives you to the perspective of you have a drawn gun on you. All right. And this is, this guy's gi- giving demands. And so I went first, you know, and I'm like, why do they want me to go first? You know? And, uh, after, afterwards I was like, you know, or during, I was like, I did everything the guy did, you know, cause I was looking for an opening and there just wasn't one. And so mm-hmm. the guy, the guy got my wallet, you know, and they're like, the instructors were like, that was amazing. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, of all the people we figured the gunslinger would have been the, would have been like the guy to, to draw down and shoot. And I'm like, really? Like I, I but I know that my draw time and his reaction time, because I, I, again, knowledge is key. I can't beat that, you know? And they're like, wow, like we just totally expected you to go for it. And sure shit, there was like three dudes who went for it and all lost, you know, but the majority of folks were newer shooters and they just, you know, they didn't even try, you know, they just, so, like, so, you so what you're saying is like, it's, it's, it's a bell curve, you know, like yeah, at the yeah. beginning you're like, well, I can't do this. And then, you know, just enough to be like a cocky motherfucker that's going to try it. And then yeah. like you're experienced enough to go, yeah, I can't beat this dude. Why am I? Yeah. Why am I going to try? Like, yeah, you know that's great that you say that because uh, I read a study one time about law enforcement shootings about police officers that were killed in the line of duty, and they correlated that it wasn't the young guys that were on edge, and it wasn't the old guys. It was that that curve that was just cocky enough, and and that not saying that that's what got these guys killed, but there was a correlation yeah, of time that they've been on the job. But it's right. it's, it's yeah. an observation. Like you're yeah. you're just experienced enough to think, oh yeah, I'm good enough. I'll I'll yeah. get this guy. Like no, yeah. fucking won't. Like right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you know the the young guys, they just don't know. They're 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 scared. Yeah. They don't know. They're overwhelmed. The old, like, oh shit. Yeah. And then and there's the dude old, who knows the enough to go. Guys. You know what, man? Like, yeah. I'm not taking a chance with this. Like, you can have my wallet, dude. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. So, yeah, no, it's interesting to, you know, because I think older people uh, or better trained people n- know what they don't know. You know? Yeah, it's man, like, like self, yeah. self-awareness is a superpower. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> no doubt, you know. Um, I think that's uh, I think that's especially true with uh, I was talking to some guy about something and he didn't like this one dude and he said something I had that little motherfucker. He's like I'm gonna be. I'm like you know that dude's a purple belt like three stripe purple belt you know and he's you know he's like oh, I'll rip that boy's head off or something like that I'm like yeah really okay, and then that guy started taking jujitsu and like the first month he was like real nice to that other dude <laughs> you know i was like wow what's what's up with that you know mm. because he's you know realizing that this guy could have really crushed him and you know he's getting to that point of like oh man i could i could be totally crushed by this guy you know so, so that's another one man um you know I, I thought about this right you know like, yeah, so we're, we're talking about, you know, well, training is a thing. And, and yeah, that's that, that's true. Like, another thing is, uh, you know, we talked about mindset, right? One thing I hate is people talking about mindset. Like, they think, oh, you know, you, you know the guy I'm talking about. Oh, I'll, I'll see red. I'll fuck him up. I'll, I'll like, you know, I'm like, dude, you know, mindset's not a verb. You're not going to mindset your way out of this. Like, yeah. let's, 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 let's talk about that one, right? Yeah. Intestinal fortitude, man. Everyone thinks they have it, you know, um, until the time comes, you know, um, and, and just because, you know, we have seen folks, that little old lady, you know, who yeah. fights her way out of that situation and they're like, oh, well, she did it. I could do it. Well, you don't know that little old lady and you don't know what she's been through. You know, maybe she had an incident that happened to her years ago that made her had a better mindset than you could ever have, you know? Um, and so you're absolutely right. I, I see that as a, as an issue with folks who really think that, you know, life is a Disney movie. I don't have to train or do anything. And then I'm going to get swung at by the big bully and hit him and he's going to get knocked down. That's, that's not life, man. That's not reality, you know? Um, so, you know, the, and, and the other thing is what, what, what people don't realize is that, you know, as much as we're talking and studying this stuff right now, that people that are born into a violent society, that they are doing the same thing on a daily basis. You know, just because someone talks with slang or doesn't speak the same way that we do, doesn't mean they're ignorant, you know, and just sure. because they don't pass that IQ test doesn't mean they're not smart. Okay. There's those, those same people that are born in those violent societies or born in, you know, less better circumstances, have much more street savvy and smarts and skills that a lot of us could never, we would beg to have, you know, and people, they often misjudge that, you know, and I'm, I'm telling you, you know, like they study people. Um, I remember reading a study one time where they, I think it was done by the FBI where they went and interviewed uh, criminals who had killed police officers and they wanted yeah. to know, why they chose the individual that they chose. And, you know, I just thought it was going to be, oh, the guy was big. So I stayed away from him. I went after the small victim or, hey, it was a dude. So I went after the woman. It was none of that. It was little things like their awareness level, um, the way they walk, their opening gate, all that indicated to that, that criminal that they were aware. And so these people had predatory skills that they had developed. Um, and, and, and you and look you, like, and you look like the fucking prey. Like, yeah, exactly. And so it's like, well, yeah. who's smart and who's dumb now? You know, it's like, Hey, yep. you know, they're, it's their world. They're ruling it, you know? 
Um, so yeah. it was interesting to see or to read a lot of that stuff. And it was amazing. Uh, just the way somebody would walk or approach, you know, certain things, you know, it's like, why didn't you mess with that guy or that girl? Uh, she was too locked on, man. She, her head was on a swivel. So I chose to go after her partner who was 250 pounds, but he was totally unaware. You know, it's like, what a, what a, what a concept, what a way to think, because that's not how the, the, the rational actor thinks, you know, they, that's, uh, that's not what the, they know because, you know, uh, a more switched on person is going to be hard to deal with than the, the person that most people would say is, well, they're bigger, you know, um, but yeah, it's amazing to to look at that and, and realize. I think Farg Freeborn's book. There's another book uh, that I read. Um, Beyond Uda, his his second. No, not his. No. Uh, oh, uh, no, no, something author. violence. Something with violence. Glo- yeah, uh, uh, it's I, on I a tip of my tongue. Name either, but it's another book that it's like it's come up a few times. I've heard of it. Uh, I think it's like the something with. Um, the gift, the gift of oh, fear, gift of the fear. Gift yeah. Of fear. By, uh, Gavin, Gavin DeBecker. Gavin yeah. DeBecker. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, books like that, I think are a really good insight and they should, if, if the right people are reading them or they're interpreting these things the right way, will take that and incorporate lessons learned in these books into their training programs. You know, um, I, I can say that, um, you know, the different training that I did at Fort Bragg, uh, all over the world, the different matches that I shot. And then I remember in Baghdad on Rod Irish, the first engagement that I got into. And I can honestly say that I was less shaken, less scared, less nervous that day than the training scenarios I'd been in and some of the matches that I shot. And that stuck with me. Like I, I was really worried about myself. Like, dude, am I a psychopath now? Like what's going on with me? Like I didn't, it didn't phase me at all. You know, like, why am I thinking this way? And I overthought it, you know, and I'm like, why am I not having an issue with this? And it was just, you know, realizing that everything that we did that day was based off of reps that we had already done in a sterile environment in a, um, a stressful environment. And then all we did was now it was, you know, not a one way range. It was a two way range. And it was like, wow, what a concept, you know? So, uh, that was another eye opener for me as far as like how things work as far as training goes. Um, I'm a big advocate of, you know, uh, nurture, not nature. You know, I think that we underestimate the skills that people can learn even at, at, at a young age where uh, before they can even walk, the things that they're seeing, they're learning how to do, you know? And um, so people people don't think about that. And that's important, you know? Um, and, and knowing that, you know, we can change or, you know, hopefully have some kind of change when we get into instructor positions going, okay, let's get the base down, have everyone a solid base, and now let's start incorporating some stress. Let's start incorporating scenarios where places are going out there and they're just going straight into scenarios and going, ah, see, it doesn't work that way. Like, yeah, because they weren't trained in the basics first, you know? Um, but yeah, mindset is huge, you know? Um, but if somebody's going to say, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to see red and do what I need to do. Um, well, if they've read a lot of books on it, then there is a possibility, but more than likely I guarantee, you know, almost guarantee that those kind of people that say that 
haven't yeah, even picked up a book, you know. That's, so. that, that's that's the point. The kind of the kind of dickhead who says that is like, yeah, you know, yeah, you're absolutely there. right. Yeah, 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 and and you know, I mean, like you said, we see those guys, we see those those people out there, um, and, and you know, they arm core chat, uh, you know, arm chair quarterback. Did I say that right? Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, no. So yeah, you're right. You know, um, and obviously you can read as much as you can. That's one thing. Read to get the knowledge and then incorporate lessons learned into training and, you know, go to training, go to classes. Uh, I mean, there's, there's so many, there's so many great trainers out there today. I mean, it's just like, I think there was five, you know, when I was started, you know, going to training courses, the military would send me the courses and stuff. And uh, I mean, there were maybe five or six people out there, maybe five like, or six shooting schools, but now, like I mean, like when us, yeah, when I was in the army, you know, yeah. so, you know, they started, we started seeing gaps and issues and problems, you know, back in the day and we had good leadership. And, you know, the thing is like, people don't realize is that, you know, the special forces community is, uh, is really compartmentalized into smaller teams. And those teams could at the time, and I don't know if it's that way anymore, but you know, if we wanted to go to a shooting school X and then the guys across the hall wanted to go to a different shooting school, they could. So, you know, we did what limited research we had back in the day, you know, going to the guys behind the fence and saying, Hey, who are you training with and, uh, taking their recommendations or, you know, picking up the latest issue of SWAT magazine before the internet was around and going, Hey, we want to go to this shooting school, you know? Um, and I mean, we went to Blackwater the first, we were the first SF team to go to Blackwater for a shooting course. Um, and that was the first year they opened up, you know? Uh, and you know, it was, we were, you know, like that was like, like an amazing facility at the time, you know? Uh, and yeah, now you've yeah, got people time. that, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, those, those types of guys who were instructors there, you know, have gone on to bigger, better things. Some of them teach on their own. You know, I remember seeing instructors that were, no one really heard of or knew, but they were instructors at Blackwater and now they have their own training courses and stuff like that. And you're just like, wow. Um, and they've gravitated to the military and law enforcement side, teach amazing things. Um, and people are watching their videos and regurgitating them in training classes that they teach. And uh, I mean, it's, uh, you know, people are, oh, they're stealing that information. Like, dude, it's on the internet, you know, let them use it. Who cares? You know, I mean, I've been to so many shooting schools cause I like to give credit where credit's due, but I've been to so many damn shooting schools. I don't remember where I heard half of it or I may have heard it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Probably several at this point, you know, you probably heard it several places. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And, and we're seeing, the other thing we're seeing is like a, you know, what's old is new, what's new is old, you know? So I went to a, uh, a shooting, I went to a, a red dot instructor course. Right. And, uh, the instructor, it was a, it was a law enforcement one. And this guy comes up and he pulls me aside. He's a, he's a little older gentleman, a little bit older than me. And he goes, Hey man, uh, what's your background? And I told him, he goes, you're going to find out in regards to the red dot, nothing's old. Or everything new is old and everything old is new. And one of the first things they did was they had us tape the front cover of the, uh, of the glass. The lens, yeah. Yeah. And he goes, does that, he goes, you look like, you know what you're doing. I go, yeah, man, when I went to a CQB package, um, you know, they made us 
use the cover of the aim point because we were the we were the first guys to use the aim point in like nine, 90 early 90s and so we closed the cover they made us shoot that way for like i think it was almost a week we had to shoot with it closed and then after that week they gave us all right now you can take the covers off some dudes chose to go for the rest of the the eight weeks that we had left they said no i'm gonna leave the cover on you know yeah and so it's interesting, you know, that now we're seeing a reemergence of that kind of a, of a, of a training thing. And now, does that mean that those guys stole it from them back in the day? No. I mean, they've discovered, rediscovered it per se. Um, and you'll see folks in like two different ends of the spectrum, maybe law enforcement competition or whatever. And then they'll all come to the same conclusion. And it's just, it's like, Hey man, it's physics, it's science. It's the way things go. And, you know, instead of arguing over who created it, you know, just, Hey, you know, everyone get along, you know, I mean, because um, yeah, if, yeah, if you, you start arguing about that point, then, you know, somebody that's savvy about like the Sante raid is going to be like, well, you know, they, they had, they had the occluded gun sight when they were doing that raid. Like they couldn't yeah. even see through the optic. Like that was only occluded, you know? Yeah. So, so it was, it was their technique first. So everybody stole it from them. But yeah. Yeah. No doubt, man. But I, I'm telling you the, the, I mean, I've been to multiple red dot courses several instructor courses um all great stuff uh one of my favorites scott jidlinski runs uh a phenomenal red dot course in regards to specifically i will say this anyone who has any hesitation of thinking that they become they can become better it, you will become better after shooting his course period you know and uh um i think that's a phenomenal thing because he he has a different approach when it comes to teaching because he's got a martial arts background, right? And so you almost feel like in his class that you're at a you know, an old, like Gracie jujitsu seminar back in the day, you know? And it's just like, ah, I see where yeah. you're going with this, you know? I would agree. I would agree with that, man. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really, really good. I saw people who literally were um man, just like you were afraid to see them bring that gun out of the holster. And by the end of those two days, they were like tearing it down. You're just like, wow. Um, but there's just, I mean, there's, but you see a lot of stuff that, you know, he is teaching. You see other folks teaching similar stuff that they obviously they're not teaching exactly like him, but you know, you see a lot of folks out there that are teaching red dot stuff. Um, I, there's, uh, I remember I went to six hour Academy's first open enrollment red dot instructor course. Mm. And, um, I, I didn't think it was that great. And then I've heard other folks who have gone to it and they're like, oh man, they're doing this and they're doing that. I'm like, oh good. So they're progressing, you know? And so that's a good thing. Now, if they were still teaching the same stuff they were teaching back in the day, I, I'd have been a little, uh, but they also brought in guys like Scott Jeslinski up there once a year to teach a class too, you know? So uh, good on them that they're looking at outside resources, you know, which I think is, is a great thing. You know, I mean, when you have instructors at that level, that own their own academy and they're bringing guest instructors in and they're learning from them. It's like, dude, you know, that's, that's, that's amazing. You know, I mean, that's where we, we all should be. We all should be learning from other folks. You know, I try to make it a, a point of contention each year. I try to go to a minimum of one different shooting school. Um, and it's, it's not necessarily for skill level, but, you know, people come up with new ways to teach stuff. Um, and if it's a bad course, guess what I learned? I learned how not to incorporate something, you know, 
But there's yeah. oh, instead of being upset about it, I'm like, hey, I paid money for this course. People are like, I paid money for this course and I didn't get what I got out of it you know, or what I wanted out of it. I'm like, well, you know what? I mean, you know, I bought a hamburger and it didn't take taste like a filet, but, you know, I don't know what to say. You know, if it's a bad course, then you learn something. You learned what bad looks like, you know. Um, so keep that in mind. There's there's always the positive side to things. And I think that in the firearms community, we're our own worst enemies, you know, I mean, we just nitpick each other, you know, when, you know, the second amendment is out there being challenged every day, you know, and instead we're, you know, you got, you know, big name instructors, you know, calling each other out. It's like, dude, you guys need to be working together, you know, man, that's honestly like so much of what this podcast is about. Like, I I think you obviously feel this way and everyone we've had on here is like, it's just fed up with some aspect of this community, industry, whatever, just acting fucking stupid. And it's like, why? Just. Yeah, basically. I know. We, you know, I, I know it's kind of coarse, but like, don't be a piece of shit. Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get along. Yeah. You all yeah. supposedly want the same thing, right? Just. Exactly. Exactly. No doubt. So before we get off this topic, the last thing I'm, I want to ask you, Mike, is, you know, down down to like the nuts and bolts, like to, you know, if it's the, you know, just the agency, you know, your law enforcement firearms instructor, if it's your, you, you know, your, your local dude that's running his carry classes, if it's somebody that's, you know, running courses for, you know, RASP or whatever, like what, what would you tell those dudes about helping, helping to develop your i'll say perspective or your students developing your students to be capable of violence well i think you know a lot of folks that are teaching stuff are are not educating themselves first of all i think that's the priority um i think that one you have to educate yourself and if you're going to do that and prepare folks, you know, and you haven't been exposed to that kind of violence, then you need to do the second best thing. And that is immerse yourself in reading and literature and video of violence and study it. And don't just study the violence itself. Take a college class in psychology, take a college class in learning and development, you know, um, and you don't even have to take a college class. You can take classes online that are free. Now you may not get a credit or anything, but if you're like, when you read a book, do you get credit? I don't know. So why not take a class on some of this stuff online, you know, um, learn, you know, learn about, you know, how the brain works and how it myelinates itself. You know, the old saying of muscle memory and people, oh, muscle memory doesn't exist. Like, well, the brain is a muscle and the myelination process is what? Uh, pretty much muscle memory, right? Um, people call it different things. And there's someone that's going to argue with me. Like, I don't care. It's still the process of learning. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, um, but that's the first thing is we have to educate as educators. We've got to educate ourselves and become immersed in the topic that we're going to teach. I think that's extremely important. And I think that educators are not doing that. You know, um, I, I personally like am constantly reading, like a lot of guys spend a lot of time on the internet and they are, you know, in chat rooms or, um, you know, forums and debating and arguing. I was like, look, dude, 
I'm sorry. I didn't see the latest and greatest stupid video of this instructor doing something crazy. Well, did you comment on like, no, I'm not, you know why? Cause I'm reading a book, you know, or I'm listening to a book on this subject, you know? Um, and I want to learn as much as I can about that. You know, why do you shake, you know, at a, at a certain level, you know, of, of stress, you know, what, how many, what's your heart rate at? What's that causing you to shake? Is that the performance level? Is it anxiety? You know, those are the things I think that, that people don't really immerse themselves in, but they're teaching this. And I'll remind everybody that, um, you know, in I think it's 16 hours or less, you can become a firearms instructor, but to become a barber in the majority of the states in this country, you need to have 300 hours of uh, education. So who do you want cutting your hair? Someone who's had 16 hours of training or 300 hours of training? Who do you want defending your life? Someone who's been to law enforcement academy of 40 hours of firearms training or, you know, somebody who's had three to 400 hours. And so I think as, as instructors, we owe it to ourselves to study this stuff more um, if we're going to teach that, you know, and, 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 and that's not like, like some guys would be like, ah, I'm a, you know, I, I teach skills. Well, that's fine. That's, that's, that's a hundred percent fine. I'm not, I'm not dinging on those people. If you want to teach skills, you continue to teach skills, but if you want to get into how to deal with violence, then you need to study that. Um, because there's some really, really awesome shooters out there teaching great skills, never been in a combative situation before in their lives, but I want to take a class from that guy to increase my skills, you know, and I'm not going to say bad things about those guys, you know? Um, I mean, at Fort Bragg, we had some of the top shooters in the world come to Fort Bragg and teach us to shoot and teach other units. And it's like, well, they're competition shooters and people, oh, those competition techniques will get you killed in the street. There's a lot of dead terrorists that were killed with competition shooting techniques, you know? So, um, I think that's something that, we, again, we need to better educate ourselves as instructors slash educators. Uh, we need to read that literature. We need to watch those videos. And, you know, we need to, you know, get training ourselves. And, you know, it's like, I'll say this too, is, you know, people will say, uh, you know, like that instructor can't shoot, but he can teach. I I I seldom believe in that methodology at all. I, I I think that if there's an instructor that can't shoot, but 20 years ago he was an Ipsit Grandmaster, well, well, he could at one time shoot. That's a different than saying this guy never learned to shoot and he never became a good shooter, but he can teach people well. You have to educate yourself. And in order to teach somebody else, the better instructor is going to be somebody that has messed up gone through the trials and tribulations and go, Oh, okay. And so they'll always reference that. Well, that fat old guy who just coached that girl into the Olympics, that gold medal, or how about that fat coach on the sideline there? They just won. And I hate to say NFL, cause I hate that. but, uh, but you know, won that football game or whatever, you know, well, what do they have in common? Well, that fat old guy was a Russian gymnast, you know, who won silver back in the day. All right. And that fat coach on the side was a collegiate level athlete before he became a coach. You know what I mean? So now we're starting, if we start digging and peeling back that onion, we're going to find that the people that are good instructors aren't just fat old people. 
they are people who were at their prime at some age and, and time, you know, and they went through those trials and tribulations, you know, so they had to educate themselves first. And so I think a lot of people will go to an instructor course, instructor school and think, oh, that's it. I can go out and teach, um, and, you know, and, and, you know, and to some degree, like it or not, you know, we're, we need those folks, you know, because they're going to have more access to a larger community because that $50 class could be a gateway drug or a gateway class into a class with a bigger named instructor, you know, um, and they're teaching to the masses and, and it's hard. It's hard to be uh, at a skill level where you want to teach advanced stuff to a group of new shooters it's difficult because now you have to have a higher ratio of student to instructor instructor to student ratio all right because the chance for error is greater you know it's and people go like oh how can they and we see it we'll hear people say well there's an advanced shooter teaching you know 15 to 20 people on the line oh yeah they can't teach that way well, it's an advanced class, so, you know, they can run that well, and then they are breaking the class down into two or three groups, and then they're spot-checking everybody individually, you know, so they can do that. But try to do that with a bunch of new shooters who are, you, you need, you know, minimum four, three, two-to-one ratio, you know, so everything is different, and, and people take it out of context, you know. Well, that instructor did this. Well, what was the context they were doing in it, you know, um, where that was an advanced class, you know, um, but um, – those are things that I think are important to become a really good instructor. If you're going to inculcate your students into the world of violence, that you absolutely have to make yourself a better instructor first. I agree with that, man. Like I think both you'd probably agree. Like, I don't think the body can go where the mind hasn't gone yet mm -hmm. and vice versa. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. absolutely. Like there's, there's a reason why. You know, but I think there's 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 far too much in this community of people. They separate. You know, they think, oh, well, this is this is a, uh, you know, this is this is hard shit. You know, knuckle dragger, you know, stuff. And they think, oh, that's that's nerd bullshit. No, like people who are good at hard skills are also nerds. Like they study, they learn, they educate yeah. themselves. Like, and I feel like that's I feel like that's vastly underserved. Like I don't think. A vast majority of the people in this world doing this stuff are, are frankly, very intelligent people. Like they have the, you know, they, they, they separate the two things. And there's that, there's that quote, you know, again, it's probably on t-shirts or something, you know, about, uh, uh, you know, thinking done by fools and fighting done by cat, whatever, you know, like, but it's the whole person concept. Like yeah. be well-rounded. Yeah, no, that's, you know, I was talking, uh, uh, I was introduced to a, uh, an, a another uh, special forces guy today and someone, you know, talked or made a comment about his background, you know, and cause he'd done a ton of different things and he goes, yep. He goes, that's special forces. He goes, Jack of all trades, masters of none. We can do it all. And, you know, I remember we would bring these instructors in and uh, they would train with us and they were always surprised like, Oh man, well, I thought you would shoot better, you know? And it's like, what do you mean? They're like, well, yeah, you guys should shoot as good as me. Well, you're a world-class IPSC shooter, you know? 
And they're like, yeah, but you have all this time. And I'm like, no, you know, did you, do you have to speak more than one language? Do you have to study that language? Do you have to take a test for that language? Do you have to have a, do you have to blow up certain amounts of demo each, each year? Do you have to have a proficiency jump? Oh, do you have to take a skills qualification test and know your job? You know, do you have to go to the motor pool and clean things up? You know, uh, do you, you know, there's just so many things that people don't realize that the the military and, and, and even law enforcement has to do you know modern stop is like one of the best examples of that too you know like like you said and especially now they're getting more and more you know and, oh yeah uh, you know like i, like I said I, I think it's funny that you know people think oh you know i think there's kind of a stereotype well, well you know you join the military because you're stupid they're not really oh yeah like, <laughs> they're, not, <laughs> they're not mutually exclusive man you know like yeah yeah some, like some said, People like, you know, that I mean, hell, even to a degree, even a lot of guys like an infantry, they're not dumb. They're not dumb motherfuckers. They just, yeah, they want to do the shit. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. really smart infantrymen. Like, yeah. yeah. And then, and then even more so, the, you know, and of course the smarter ones typically, they go to like, you know, they go to special operations units or whatever. Like, you know, okay. But, but yeah, I think that's like yeah. a solid example of being like well rounded. You have to know all, you have to know a lot about all this shit. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, it's crazy to, you know, be working on a project back in a team room back in the day. And then somebody would say something and it's like, dude, how do you know about all these chemicals? Oh, uh, I was a biochemical. I got a master's degree in biochemistry chem or something like that. I was like, what the, what the hell are you doing here? wearing you know, NCO stripes. Like what the hell, you know, <laughs> or we had one guy, uh, who was a professor at a university and he got out of the army. I can't remember if it was like MIT or one of the, one of the, the Ivy league schools, but uh, he had sent an email out and it still has an old like dot edu for uh, education thing. We we're like, what the hell is email this? Address, goes, oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, it was uh yeah, it's from my old email. He goes, I'm still on staff, but uh, yeah. Uh, staff sergeant. So-and-so was a professor like what? Cause he got out of the army <laughs> and then became a professor. And then when war broke out, like all the savages in. came back in, you know, it's like, what the heck? You yeah. Know? Dude, but, like, that that should always astound me. There's people like that, you know. I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. But hey, that's awesome, yeah. you know. Yeah. But yeah. So rolling rolling into the next piece of the show, uh, that this is totally totally open, totally free form. Um, you know what? What's got you excited lately? What's stuck in your craw? What's been on your mind? You know what? What what are you putting your energy now to? I guess would be easiest uh. way to put that. I'm, I'm, um, I personally, my energy right now is being more directed towards, um, self-education now, you know, um, I've gone so long, of uh, like teaching where I feel like I haven't progressed. And so now I'm trying to become more open-minded, uh, and, you know, educate myself more, you know, because you can educate yourself a lot, but you know, that glass is never going to be full. And even if it starts overfilling, guess what? It's still information coming in. So now I'm going to focus more, a little bit more on, on, uh, educating myself and my skills to get back to a certain level. Um, but one of the things that like, you know, like what's, what's on my mind is a lot of stuff that we were kind of alluding to or talking about, um, you know, was the infighting in the second amendment community or two, a community or the gun community or whatever. Um, I just think that there's too much wasted effort on that. Um, 
And, you know, I know that some of the folks out there are bringing subjects up with other folks to try to educate them, but I think they're doing a poor, they're doing it in a poor way, you know, uh, you know, saying you, you suck, it's not, you know, a good way to get somebody's attention, you know? Um, but I think that that can be done the same. I, I think the same thought can be put ap- across in a respectful manner. Um, because as soon as you start doing that, people close down, you know? Um, so that's the first thing. And then the other thing is the same thing that we kind of talked about was, uh, the tactics and stuff. I see a lot of folks out there who are, you know, jumping under cars, shooting through windows, um, and just, you know, uh, inducing malfunctions on their students and having them go through this stuff. And, uh, not saying that that's not important skills. Don't get me wrong. But I think that a lot, and it's not all, but a lot of the folks that are teaching that way, we're finding that their students aren't at a basic enough level to do that, you know? And I think that's doing a disservice. So as an example, you know, I saw some folks doing some drills, jumping under cars and, you know, doing stuff just like that. And, you know, they were like, oh, you did really good. The problem was the target they were shooting at didn't have that many holes in it, you know? And to me, that's a big deal, you know, yeah, because no, that's definitely, you like, know, that's, that's a key yeah, thing, man. It's like, yeah. so what you're just, you're just slinging rounds in the general direction. Like, yeah. Open for everybody. Yeah. Everybody wants to be a Navy SEAL till it's trying to do Navy SEAL shit, you know? So, um, yeah. you know, uh, they need, I think a little bit more emphasis on this, you know, in this mm-hmm. before they get there, you know? Um, and I think that's overlooked by some folks, you know, um, but not that, not, not that many, uh, but I think there are some, some folks out there that are doing that. Um, I mean, there's some folks out there that are obviously teaching in, you know, the military law enforcement side and they have a base already and they're doing that. But, you know, that's the thing I've noticed is when I run open enrollment courses is that there is a huge diversity in skill. And so I can't, and it's getting to the point now where it's like, these are the prerequisites to come to this class and folks show up all the time, not being able to meet those prerequisites. And so that's frustrating, you know? So, um, that's an easy way to go. Yeah. 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 So I think that's, that right there is something that just needs to be, um, you know, the crawl walk run phase. And it's just, the other thing is, you know, it's a little bit of futtery, I guess, in my end, because that's the way I grew up in the military was, you know, crawl, walk, run. Um, and we implemented that. And so again, if we were going to do CQB, you spent a minimum of a week doing flat range before you went into the house. You know, if you went to a longer course then it was two weeks before going into the house, but, um, you know, before tactics marksmanship or what we call combat marksmanship was reinforced prior to that. Now that the, the thing is people will say, well, you know, civilians, they don't have that. They don't have the time. They don't have the money. And it's like, well, you know, if they create a prerequisite and you give them homework, they will. You know, uh, we talk about learning and educating folks just because they're not training with you doesn't mean they can't be training on their own, you know, and, uh, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing these Instagram heroes come out overnight that are looking pretty darn good, you know, and it's like, how did they get that way? Were they taking classes? No, they're doing it on their own. So if these guys can do it on their own, you know, or train on their own, then how about someone who's actually taking a class, take the information that you've given them and then give them, assign them some form of homework, you know? Um, you know, we tell folks that come to our training, we tell them, Hey, th- these are, 
this is the recipe for success. We call them the five pillars of success. And we, we lay them out and we tell folks, if you do these things, you will become better, you know? And if they, they do the homework, they'll get better. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much as far as like the things that are on my mind or, you know, that I'm, I'm thinking about. Yeah. As far as doing the work on your own, you know, this is something I'm stealing from another one of my buddies we interviewed on here, uh, Craig Burris, you know, I, I would, I would go so far as to say that no, no grand master got there just by taking classes or mm-hmm. just by doing the work on their own. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, somewhere along the way they had a coach of, in some capacity that helped them get better. And they also spent a whole lot of hours just developing the skills on their own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the good thing is that in, in my opinion, I think a student, uh, and I've seen it over and over again, can take a class, a basic class from a reputable instructor and then take that information because we tell them, you know, Hey, use a, use a video, uh, you know, some form of video analysis. So if I'm drawing and I'm looking at my videos, I can see what I'm doing wrong right there. So now they can, cause they can self-correct, right? Self-teach. Well, now you continue to dry fire, you get better. You go to the range, you test your stuff, you validate your dry fire skills. You've increased the point of, by the time you see that instructor six months, a year later for level two or whatever, you're a completely different shooter. And then at that point, now they're refining a lot of that from a different, you know, from an instructor. It doesn't have to be that same instructor, but the point being is that I have found that folks, some folks will, you know, spend money time and time again. And I, and, and, and I can say this from experience because, you know, I did that, um, you know, unfortunately it was the government's dime, not, not my dime, but, uh, you know, I, I, I had, I had to go to school X, I had to go to school Y, I had to go to Z, you know, that's going to make me a better shooter. That's going to make me a better shooter. That's going to make me a better shooter. And those courses didn't make me better shooters, you know, and my one buddy brought it up because dude, all we're doing is the military is paying for different shooting drills. That's all we're doing. You know, I mean, because the instructors are telling us the same thing at different courses we go to. We need to implement them. We need to train them. You know, and I was like, huh, you know, what a concept, you know. Um, so I think there's a there is definitely a balance. Uh, I think that you're absolutely right. The coaching thing, you got to have a coach, man. Um, best best athletes in the world have coaches, you know. Um, and so I think. Uh, if you do it right, you could theoretically get away with, um, you know, maybe once a year going to see your favorite instructor, you know, or maybe just doing a private lesson once a year or something like that. Um, but I think people spend too much money on courses and not implementing what they're using because the instructor's giving you their recipe for success. You know, here's the drills, go practice those drills. Um, and here's what I taught you. And then as soon as you leave that course, boom, brain dump. And, you know, I, I remember we went to, what was that school? Bill, Bill Rogers. We went to Bill Rogers, right? Great school. We're sitting there. We're, we're like, we're zinging, you know, it's five days, man. You're shooting pistol for five days straight, you know? And you're shooting quite a bit of rounds. And then so we get up there and we want to show a bad demonstration, right? So we put like a little pasty on the target and like, all right, this is what point shooting looks like. You're not going to like, and you just come up and swing it out as fast as you can, right? 
And so we get out there and the one guy demoing and he throws the gun up and boom, he hits that freaking pasty. And we're just like, uh, that was a bad demonstration for the students, you know? Um, but we had repped out so much and we all, you know, it was like the first Monday after shooting the Bill Rogers course. Well, that second week, it wasn't hard to miss that pasty that second week, you know, because our skill sets went down dramatically because we weren't implementing or practicing or doing any of that, you know. And it was like uh, my one of my first realizations that, um, yeah, if you don't practice, you're going to get worse, you know. <laughs> so um, that's that's an important distinction, though, like training and practice. Like you go to training so you can learn something that you can go practice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And people, people don't do that. They go and they train without the practice, you know? Um, so, you know, um, but I think if somebody was like really on a tight budget, right. Uh, the, the smart thing to do would be to dry fire daily, five, 10 minutes, live fire, maybe once a week. And it doesn't have to be like a thousand rounds, you know, uh, go box demo, to, shoot, shoot 50 rounds. Yeah, do a lot of 50 yeah, rounds. yeah, exactly. Uh, validate the stuff you've been dry firing, uh, and then focus on those specific drills that you learned at that training course, you know? Um, yeah. and, and a year later, you know, you're, you're going to be a different shooter altogether. And then you go back and get another course or you go to another instructor and you'd get some more one-on-one -on -one time. Um, and you know, but everyone's got, you know, their fa like we tell students all the time, like, Hey, we recommend other instructors all the time. And people are like, well, is that good business? We're like, yeah, it is, you know, because we all got here as instructors by taking classes from other instructors, you know? Um, and I think that's important too, you know? Um, and, and the other thing is like, I may say something and people may shut down. One of my other instructors may say something and light bulb clicks, you know, yeah. maybe another instructor that you hear something from, you know, we'll say something and it's like, Oh my gosh, what a concept, you know? Um, so I think it's important to get training with other folks, but again, I think people overspend time with other instructors when they really need to practice what they've been learning, you know, yeah. you, need, you but, need some self-development. You need to yeah. just do the work, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they're obviously, you know, a coach would be great. You know, if you, you have the time to get a coach, you know, and the money. um, yeah. And yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, for the average person, they don't, you know, so take a class, get out there, practice, train, and, you know, do those things that we tell you in our class. Again, we talk about those, uh, you know, the five pillars of success we tell people to get out there and do these things and they'll come back and you'll see them. Like one of the things we advocate is training, uh, excuse me, is shooting matches. And I'll tell you, you know, six months, one match a month or two matches a month, you see that same person and you're just like, Whoa, what did you do? Did you fo follow those five pillars of success? Like, no, I only follow, only follow two of them, <laughs> you know, but well, whatever you're doing, you're, it's working. Imagine if you follow the rest of them, you know? So, yeah. um, they start to see that, but yeah, no, that's, that's, it's, it's wonderful to see some of these folks out there. It's just like mind blowing to see the skills, that people are coming up with because they're listening and doing, um, and they're getting out there, they're researching stuff, you know, they're videoing them themselves. They're putting it on the internet. People are commenting and they're learning from those comments. Hey, someone, I said, your hand was moving too slow or whatever. And they're like, Oh, maybe that's true. You know? Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. The, 
the, you know, uh, we've, we've got that out there and then we've got the exact opposite people like condemning other folks for, you know, teaching, you know, like, Hey, focus on securing the two a and not, you know, tearing it down. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Well, last question for you then. So, you know, we, we, our, our tagline for wrapping up this show is don't be a piece of shit. And we'd just like to hear what that means to you. It's interesting that you say that because, um, I went to about four years ago, I went to a, a an overseas survival course or overseas awareness survival course that the FBI had put on. And, uh, so I showed up and this is a class filled with, uh, not just agents, but people throughout the FBI. And so you got all walks of life and I, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, really, you know, everyone it's going to be real tight and, you know, just a bunch of accountants and lawyers and, and the head instructor gets up there and he goes, and, and again, multi-gender class, you know, females too. And he gets up there, he goes, Hey, uh, I'm instructor. So-and-so I'm in charge. Uh, rule number one, don't be a dick. And I was like, waiting for them to get upset and they were all like like nodding at each other like yeah 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 you know and i was like what the heck and he he said and, and and i remember that that is very similar to your your statement and i remember that and i was like and he expounded upon that you know and it's a hundred percent and i agree with that is you know don't cause problems if you have a valid question ask the question don't sharpshoot, you know, you need to get along with folks, constructive criticism, um, you know, and, you know, the other thing is if it's not in your specific lane or it's not affecting you, maybe you don't say anything at all, you know. Um, I think there's too many people out there that are just giving their opinion. Um, and sometimes, you know, if you don't want to be a dick, then don't say anything, you know, I mean, there's a time and a place obviously, you know, but, um, I think, uh, I think it was, um, I think it was Tom Gibbons and I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm going to mess up his saying, but he has some kind of a saying, um, if, um, if you're not a subject matter expert, then your opinion doesn't count. You have the right to your opinion, but if you're not a subject matter expert, it doesn't count. And there's a tons of folks out there that are making, comments and opinions that are not experts, you know, um, you know, if, if, if my knee hurts and you're not a physician, please don't comment. You know what I mean? So I don't need to hear your, your theories of wrapping my knee with a, a wet sock or something like, you know, and I, I mean, just and the same holds true in the firearms community, you know, like, um, that's one of the reasons why years ago I learned before Facebook was a big deal and we were using forums to talk about gun stuff that there were people saying some really stupid stuff and giving stupid advice, you know, and then, you know, I'd come in and make a comment and it was like, uh, you know, like the, the, everyone would jump on that comment that I made and I was like, none of you can shoot anywhere near as good as me, first of all, and none of you making these comments have any kind of a background in the subject to begin with. You know, they were arm cord, arm, arm chair quarterbacks. <laughs> and, uh, 
they would sit there and make these comments and, you know, what's your profession? What's your training regime regime look like? Do you shoot at this level? And, you know, same thing across the board. So I think there's, again, the information highway is a great thing, but, you know, we've just got so many folks out there that are just, you know, going to classes, being dicks to, you know, interrupting instructors, not taking uh, good notes. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's um, really you just, you just have to learn to get along with people. And, um, I don't know. It's a, it's, and some folks don't even are unaware, you know, unaware that they're doing that. And I think self-awareness will help too, you know, if they have more self-awareness, but people don't listen, you know, I mean, there's that saying, you know, a buddy of mine once told me, uh, British Royal Marine commando told me, he goes, Hey mate, if the first person you run into is an asshole, he might be an asshole. But if everybody you run into the rest of the day is an asshole, you are the asshole. Yeah. Concept. And yeah. I thought, yeah. Hmm, okay. Yeah. So I remembered that and I've, I've tried to, you know, tone down some of my thoughts in regards to that. Like, God, oh, that guy's a dick. And then I see somebody else and oh, that guy's an asshole too. Oh, wait a minute. That's two in a row. So maybe I need to do an inner look, you know, and see if it's, is it me? Okay. You know, ah, you know what? I didn't have my coffee this morning. That's probably why, you know? So yeah. Self-awareness, man. It's all, it's all about self-awareness, isn't it? No doubt. Yeah. It's funny. You, you bring up like commenting online. Cause we've, we've, uh, I'll say it flat out. We've, we've bitched about the gen pop gun groups on, on this uh, podcast as well, you know, and it's, yeah, it's a lot of that. Like there is a, a lot of that in those groups. We're like, yeah, you'll have somebody that is objectively like an authority on the topic and either everybody dogpiles in agreement. And it's like, well, you're just agreeing with this dude. Cause of who, cause you know who he is, or they'll try and fight, fight with this dude. Cause they think they're coming from a place of more authority than they actually have oh, yeah. um you know and, and like the one the one joke we've made is like you know it's 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 playing the playing the chuck card it it seems that in a, in a lot of these a lot of these groups like if if they're having a disagreement they'll just tag chuck pressburg real quick and like oh, yeah. well what you know the whatever sleep yeah like yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's coming in like, halo it in yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, uh, you know, ha having videos from like, I've done trigger time TV and I'll make a video or, you know, we'll do a video for green ops or whatever, and it'll go viral. And then there'll be hundreds of comments and you, you go, I'm not reading the comments. I'm not reading the comments. I'm not reading the comments. Fuck. I read the comments. <laughs> And I'm no, not going to respond. I'm not going to respond. Like, yeah. I'm not going to respond. And next thing you know, you respond and it's like, dude, that was not the intent of the drill. What the hell are you talking about? You know, do you, did you not listen to what was being said? You know, you are uh, like, show us the, show, show us the target. That wasn't the, we weren't trying to show you the target because we wasn't about the shooting skill. It wasn't, Oh, well, you're just showing off. I got news for you. If you think that's me showing off, then you're a terrible shooter, a terrible shooter, because that's not even a quarter of the skill level. You know what I mean? And it's just like, but 
I'm not going to comment. I'm not going to refer. I'm not going to re- reply. So, you know, I'll make that one comment. And then if the douchery continues is like, ha ha, I'm not responding, you know, but, uh, yeah, that's, I spent way too much effort on just doing that. And I'm embarrassed that I even made the original, uh, reply to, you know, clowns in action or whoever they fucking think they are, you know, but it's just like, why did I do it? You know, but, um, yeah, man, it's just like, that's the thing is people get, you know, they start thinking about it and they're like, now I got to, I got to educate that guy. I got to tell him that wasn't the real, you know, like, yeah, you know, there was words in the beginning. You might want to listen to that, you know, um, you know, you don't, (laughs) you don't sit there and watch a, um, a freaking uh, car commercial about the latest car zero to 60 and go, all right, well show me the track they were on. I want to see the time. I want to see the lap time. You know, it's like, that's not the intent, you know, they're, they're trying to show you, you know, but people, they, 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 you know, they get hung up on different things and, Oh, they were in the military. So obviously they know a lot about shooting and it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. So I think that's, um, something I've learned or try to mature with as I get older is going, okay, you know, um, just don't, don't respond. You know, that's the best thing to do is because if you respond, that's going to bring out, um, the, the bad side. And then when they respond, you're going to get more upset and you're going to respond and you're going to be that dick or that douche or whatever, you know, you're going to be, um, you know, you're going to be that person and you don't want to be that person, you know? Um, and again, instead of me doing that, I could be, educating myself, reading a book, listening to a podcast, listening to a, uh, um, you know, a, um, um, a book on audio, you know, I mean, there's just so many things out there. So, uh, but yeah, I think, um, you know, and, and if, if, if not, then who looks like the piece of shit later, you know, well, you know, person, yeah, not necessarily absolutely. the person who wrote, who made the, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, it's interesting to, uh, to, to realize that you cannot see, and that's the other thing is you have to, as an instructor, you know, you come up to a student and you evaluate, right? You have to triage the issues and problems that you see before you. And I've got some instructors I've had working for me who are sitting there in a group class trying to explain to the student all of the basics all at once overloading it. And we see that with, with a lot of former law enforcement instructors. Right. Um, and the truth is, is that in a group class, you don't have the ability to do that. It's not a private lesson. It's not a coaching lesson. So I have to triage the student I'll take, okay, here's three things, but I'm going to work on one thing at a time. Get that, you know, get that foot forward, get that foot forward. You know, okay. Now let's focus on. And if they haven't corrected that, guess what? I got to move on to the next one. I have to triage that. So I got to do the same thing when it comes to my time. You know, uh, you know, I've got a full-time job, a part-time job. I got a family, you know, I got kids, I got hobbies. There's all this stuff. And what do I want to do? I want to correct that guy on the internet. Nope. Triage. You don't have time for it. You know? So, uh, you know, and that makes me not be a piece of shit, you know? So, um, uh, those are things that I can do is, you know, back off a little bit, you know? Um, but yeah, this triage your comments and, you know, as you would student pick those top three things 
you know um now i i will say that i mean there's some really good dudes out there that do a really good job on social media and they're constantly commenting and and you know saying stuff but i think that the way they do it is slightly different you know um i think that they're uh like they do triage what they're saying and they triage who they're going to respond to, but they have more time to specifically do that. And maybe they're a little bit more um, technically educated than myself. Cause I like, I don't have messenger on my uh, phone. And a lot of times I don't get on Instagram on my phone just because I don't want it constantly going off, you know? But uh, so when I sit down on social media, it's a, it's just a, a short period of time that I have each day. And then if, uh, if it's for the company, then I have my, I have my wife do a lot of the stuff on the company level stuff. So, um, people will say, Oh, I saw you online the other day. Was it me or was it green ops? You know? Oh, that wasn't me then if it was green ops, you know, but yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's smart, man. Yeah. Totally. I don't know if it's smart, but I try, you know? <laughs> Well, I, I've come to the same conclusion lately, man. It's like just a, it's such a time suck just getting on here and it's like and just you know arguing with people. It's like who who gives a shit? It's like and yeah. and by the way, like I actually got I got kind of flippant with one guy. I was like, and this was actually a while ago when I started to figure this out. I was like, I was like, if you want my fucking knowledge and expertise, why don't you fucking pay me? Like, why am I doing this shit for free just to yeah. satisfy somebody who doesn't even want to learn? You just want to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hundred percent. You know, um, and, and and you know that's the other thing is like, you know, you you bring up a good point too is that you know you said you were getting flippant, but does that other person even know that because you oh, don't have yeah. voice inflection, you don't have hand gestures going on, facial expressions? So a lot of times people respond. And they, oh, that guy's getting flippant with me. Or, you know, they think, oh, that guy's being nice. No, they're, they're not, you know, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you just, you don't know. And so many things get taken out of context, you know? Um, right. uh, so, but, um, you know, there's some really, uh, I think there's some really good, uh, folks out there trying to do meaningful instru- uh, and, you know, meaningful, um, criticism. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but as soon as they do, people start jumping on them and it's like, you, you know, Hey, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's always, there's, I don't think that's ever going to change. So I think the best thing for me to do is to just try to stay away from it because I've got, you know, my experiences, uh, which I think are, uh, not going to be the same as everybody else's, but when you start seeing people at certain levels, you know, you seldom see them disagree on certain things. They'll come to the same conclusions. They'll get their different paths. But when they do and they start talking about a way to implement something, I, you know, you you don't hear uh, the top 20 IPSC grandmasters or USPSA grandmasters arguing over techniques and stuff like that, you know. And you don't hear the top tier units in the world arguing with each other on shooting techniques. You know, uh, those are indicators and they all use very similar techniques and stuff like that. So the rest of the world could probably 
you know, stand to learn a thing or two from those folks. And instead of commenting, you know, I would love to do like a funny experiment and take Chuck and some other dudes, you know, uh, like Matt Pranka and them and have them like make some stupid comments on, on a forum or someplace and have everyone jump on them, but under an unknown name or something like that. Dude, let's, just, let's, let's do it. Yeah, let's, that let's, would be let's, like, so let's arrange hilarious. The, you know, the puppet yeah. master thing. Yeah. <laughs> or like, Watch you know, like, get, yeah. Or get someone like, like, like it, uh, go into a, uh, a, a USPSA forum or IPSC competition forum and, uh, you know, be a, a grandmaster, but like say something to try to rile people up and like put their classification as like a D class shooter or something like that, you know, but <laughs> it's just, um, yeah, I think that'd be hilarious. But, and, and you know, people would, people would definitely jump all over them, you know? But yeah, you'd, uh, you'd have a bunch of CMB class shooters given, given all their opinions on. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You get that, the, you get uh, that salty, you get that salty C class trying to like tell you how to do everything, you know, like yeah. well, actually like. <laughs> I've been shooting for 30 years and I'm still a C class. <laughs> yeah. No, that's why you're still C class shooter, you know? <laughs> Yeah. yeah thank, thank you for the secrets to your success yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the secret to my success yeah. yeah no i think it was funny i think uh steve anderson once said he never met a c-class shooter with a plan because yeah. if they had a plan they were b-class or above like pretty much yeah. hmm. what a concept you know yeah. but yeah no that was that was interesting you know but yeah, no, I, you know, people don't have, that's, you know, that's the other thing is, you know, people, they go to the range and plank. I can't stand that, you know, but, you know, go there with meaning, you know, purpose, you know. Um, Dude, that's, that's another thing. And going back to this whole theme about like, you know, you know, being like violent or whatever, it's like, do you ever just look at people and they just look extremely like vapid? There's just like, no, you just look at them. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you're talking about, you know, sizing people up or whatever. And you're just like, there's, there's no intent behind their like expression. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Just. They're just kind of drifting. They're kind of just, you know, yeah. just, they're moseying through life, doing their thing. It's like, whereas like, nah, like effective and, and, and when it's, you know, appropriate, violent people, like, yeah, they do everything with intent. Hey, you know, lions and tigers got to have prey, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, cool. I, I think this was an awesome conversation. Um, either you guys have any saved rounds? No, nope. I appreciate you guys having me on. I really do. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, uh, man. We appreciate your time since that's been a kind of a, kind of a theme here. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now I got to go, I got to try to work in some dry fire. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, tell, right. tell people where they can find you. I mean, uh, does, uh, does green ops have their 2023 calendar up yet? Um, uh, yeah, I think we have, uh, we have, I think half, half the year or the beginning of the year is up already, but it's, uh, it's green dash ops.com. Uh, so green dash ops.com. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. It's uh, Green Ops Inc. I think on both of those. We got a YouTube. Uh, I think that's about it. Um, we're. I think we're 
we're not on Twitter yet. Maybe we are. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I got to get out there. Um, but yeah, yeah. We're out there on the social media, you know, um, we have different channels, uh, YouTube, IG and Facebook. So, um, it's pretty easy to find us and get in contact with us. And we're fairly good at responding, I think in a, in a decent amount of time with the amount of uh, inquiries that we do get. So, uh, you know, we have our, um, our emails are available on there, our info at, at, at green-ops.com. Uh, and we do, we get quite a bit of inquiries. Um, and we try, we try to respond to, to most of them. Um, there might be one or two that we don't respond to. Um, and that's because the questions are unique, but, you know, <laughs> um, but we're trying to triage, you know, some of that, um, as best as possible, or, you know, maybe it went to the spam filter. So hit us up on, uh, on the, uh, on the social media, you know? Um, but yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's about it. I don't know. I should probably be better at that. <laughs> you'll work, you'll work right. on it, right? Deli- I'll, deliberate work, I'll work on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. I'll say it 10 times tonight and I'll have it down next time. <laughs> you're, you're, welcome, you're welcome back, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Notes taken. It's <laughs> been pretty cool. So hopefully you found it worth your time as well. And uh Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. It was a, I thought it was a great uh uh I thought it was some great comments and insight. Um and uh I appreciate your guys' input, you know. So it's always it's always interesting to have these conversations, you know, because um a lot of folks, you know, are like, Hey, I'm gonna give a class or we're talking. It's like now the best learning environments are like this where we just we have that conversation input you know um and you know if if at the end of the conversation someone didn't learn something you know ideally all three of us you know i know i walked away with a couple of things but you know those are things that we all need to uh to realize is that you know there's tons of information out there and we have to be as open-minded as we can and uh because if you're not you're not gonna learn yeah i mean like you said you know the information highway like I, I tend to think of it as like a, like a market, right? It's a free market. Yeah. And, and yeah. hopefully, you know, the best ideas, you know, emerges what they, you know, superior. They rise yeah. To the top. Yeah. That's it. So, yeah. Cool. Free exchange, man. You got to have it. That's it. That's it. Very cool. Awesome. Well, on that note, until next time. Gentlemen, don't be a piece of shit.